right, good morning. Thank you, Phil, and all the people that go in on Kairos. That's just a, a special, special ministry. This church has always had a lot of people uh, over the years involved in that. Great, great, uh, great work. Um, amen. Well, let me see what I get done here in a little bit. All right. When the worship good today, just really good. Um, I'm going to look away and let's let you be seated. Uh, we got folks traveling. Pastor Johanna's in New York. Went back to her home country, uh, where she used to be from. Now she's not. She don't claim it so much, but she's there. We miss her. Um, today I want to talk to you. Uh, we're titling this "Going Somewhere Good: The Process of Change." How many wants to go somewhere good? You sure don't want to go somewhere bad, right? Go somewhere good. In Luke chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus makes a daring statement. And what he says is uh, something that most of us in the Western world, Western church, uh, and I mean that in, in comparison to the Eastern Orthodox where all of us originate our, and where Jesus was from, and the apostles, um, he said, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Now, Jesus has already made a statement out of his own mouth that, uh, remember when they went into a Samaritan village, the apostles, uh, Jesus' disciples, uh, to set up for Jesus to come into the city to minister. Uh, the Samaritans refused uh, them and said no to Jesus. And so John is waiting at the city limits, remember? And he says to Jesus, they, they don't want you. They don't, they're not open to you. And so then he says, uh, John says to Jesus, shall we command fire to come down out of heaven and consume them? And, of course, Jesus rebuked him and said, you don't even know what kind of spirit that you're in. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Can somebody say amen to that? So Jesus is not a destroyer. So when Jesus is making this, this statement about casting fire on the earth, it, I want you to understand, and I want you to, it's going to cause a shift in your thinking, I hope today, in American Christianity, that when we think of fire, we think of judgment, we think of hellfire, brimstone, uh, we think of a negative thing. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here, and that's not, uh, and he uses this, and we understand this is a metaphor, right? And, and, but when Jesus is saying this, I love this image uh, but not because it's, it's, it is not destructive. When God sends fire, when God, God is fire, it's not destructive, it's restorative. God's judgment is not destructive, it's restorative. And, uh, and, and even in the natural, we got natural uh, videos of that, so to speak. People in forestry, they know that if they set fire, it's going to have a renewing and, a, and, a, and an increase in growth after it's done its work. Uh, when I lived on the farm, we had hay uh, fields, pastures, and before spring, we would set the fields on fire, and it would burn off uh, the, the stubble and burn off the old dead grass, and then here comes the bright green grass coming. And so the fire was not destructive. The fire was a blessing to us. Amen? And a lot of people understand that. Uh, and so when you think of fire, uh, Hebrews twelve twenty nine. this is what it says. Our God is a consuming fire. It says God is a fire. Now, is God literally a fire? But again, it's using metaphors to describe the work of God or who God is. But it says our God is a consuming fire. Well, what's he consuming? What, what is this fire? Is this fire destructive? Is it judgment? Is it, is it paying people back? What, what, what is this fire? Well, if you look up two verses above that in Hebrews 12, in verse 27, it tells you what that fire is consuming. It says everything that can be shaken uh, is, is the things that the fire is consuming. And the things that cannot be shaken, the reason the fire comes so that those things can remain. Well, what remains? What, what, what are the good things? The good things that remain are the things that God, that are from God and of God. Amen? And, and so uh, Paul takes the same language in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. And he says that if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. 
Now he's talking about our lives, how we live our lives. And he says, for the day. Notice it's a day. It's not a year. It's not a month. But for the day, we'll declare it. Now what's, what's going to declare it? It says, because it will be revealed by what? By fire. This is God. This is God himself. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. This is not destructive. This is restorative. All right? If anyone's work has been built, uh, that he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, listen to this, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be what? It's okay to say it. It's, but he himself will be See, this is not a judgment fire. This is not, I'm going to throw you in hell fire. This is the fire of God that's consuming all the junk in our lives that is not of him. He says he will be saved. Uh, the King James, uh, King James says we'll be saved by fire. Oh, I thought Jesus saved us. He does. Uh, but, but this is being saved. What's being saved? The person's being saved. All that other stuff, that wood, hay, and stubble, that they built their lives on all that junk you got involved in that wasn't of God, that's going to get burned up. But you yourself will be saved. Is it okay to say that people's going to be saved? And see, the church wants to make the fire her. It's God's coming, you know, and he's coming just to, you know, get everybody. We really got this uh, uh, theology. It's not a real theology, but it's, it's rampant in the church that, you know, Jesus came the first time. He, you know, he, you know, little baby donkey, he came in humility and all that. But when he comes again, he's coming, you know, to kick butt and take names. Y'all know that's the truth. That's the view of most of the church. Well, when he comes next time, he's going to set things right. Well, he is, but he's going to burn out all that that's not of him, but the, the, it said that the, we'll be saved. Not we'll be condemned, we'll be saved by this fire. Malachi the prophet saw this. It's all in the Bible. Malachi chapter 3 verse 2 says, Who can endure the day of the coming of the Lord? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a what? A refiner's what? Fire. And he's like a launderer's soap. You know what a launderer's soap does? It cleans out all the dirt and the mess. What does a refiner's fire? It burns out all the dross, all the stuff that's not pure. And it says next verse, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He'll purify the sons of Levi and he will purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering that's righteous. That's, that's what it says. That I, want you to, I want your mind to shift when you start reading the scripture. Just, just quit reading it with hellfire brimstone glasses for a little bit. Just the scriptures that I've read told you that and shows you this fire is God. It's Him. Luke chapter 12, go back to our text, verse 49. I want to read this to you out of the Message Bible because it's really, it's a, good, it's a good translation of these verses. And I just want it to be clear to what it says. Luke 12, 49, this is the Message translation. It said, I've come to start a fire on this earth. How I wish it were blazing right now. I've come to change everything. He's come to change what? Everything. Turn everything right side up. <laughs> I love that. How I long for it to be finished. Do you think I've come to smooth things over, make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and confront. From now on, you will find five in a house. It will be three against two and two against three. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against bride, and bride against her mother-in-law. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? It says, then he turned to the crowd and he said, when you see clouds coming in the, from the west, you say storms coming, and you're right. And then when the, when, when the wind comes out of the south, you say, this is going to be a hot one, and you're right. Frauds, King James, Jesus said, hypocrites. He said, you know how to tell a change in the weather, so don't tell me you can't tell a change in the season. The God season that we're in right now, Jesus said to him. There was a, a, a drastic change that Jesus came to bring about. And, and, and we don't like some of this stuff, but Jesus spoke to those people that was perpetuating that Religion, and he called them hypocrites. You know, how many knows that don't go into everything's I'm nice, you're nice, everybody's nice culture we, we got going on today? Jesus clearly 
believed in change because he was the change. And he brought the change. And in fact, he came to change the whole priesthood system. The whole system from Moses' day had been instituted and they had, they had, they had developed into that Levitical priesthood. And, but they had changed the priesthood into a sacrificial, appeasing, an angry God priesthood, which God never intended, and he says so in the Scriptures. Do you know the first Passover and all of God's feasts are parties for celebration? Some of them are reverent as far as solemn, as far as what they're focusing on. But, but when they killed the lamb in the first Passover in Egypt, they ate that lamb. It wasn't to appease an angry God. It was God saying, I'm going to deliver you from this bondage. And he told them to eat that lamb, eat every drop of it. He told them to call in all your neighbors and your friends and family and come into your home and, and apply the blood to the doorpost and, 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 and have a feast. It wasn't to appease his anger or his wrath. I had somebody the other day, they sent me a, you know, a, a note and they said, you know, we always hear that, you know, that Jesus saves us or that God saves us. What did he save us? What did he really save us from, they said. That's, that's easy, but it's not easy understood by, by most. I said he saved us from, the scripture says, he saved us from the Satan, sin, and death. Those three things. Well, how did he save us from Satan? Hebrews 2 says that he confronted what Satan deceived man into allowing loose on this planet. See, the last verse of Genesis 1, God said that when he observed everything that he himself had made, he said it's very good. And, and, and what God, what is of God and what God has created is very, not, not just good, but very good. It's called good news, very good. And then we have something else that gets introduced into the into humanity, and that's sin. And it says that, that sin entered in, and then it says what? And death through sin came in. And it says the wages of sin is what? Death. Hebrews 2 said that Jesus took on flesh just like us, and he entered into that death, suffered, and he, 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 he tasted and took of and died so that we would, it says that we would be freed from that that had tormented man from the beginning, and that was the fear of death. And Jesus removed that. Death is, people still die, but Jesus redefined what death is. Now, death is not determinist. Death is just a, a, a door we walk through into God. Can, can, and, and actually, if you can receive this, God saves us through death, not just from death. Just like he did Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 7 and 12, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Jesus came to introduce himself and say, there's a whole new priesthood. You guys are all out of business. There's no more Levitical system. We're done offering lambs and sheep and all this stuff that y'all mixed in there with it, trying to appease a perceived wrath and anger from my father. Jesus, you know, when that guy sent me the question, you know, he said, what did, God, what did Jesus save us from? The, the background question that was not spoken that is there is that, that we think that Jesus came to save us from God, from his father. That Jesus came to appease the wrath of the Father, that God don't like us, he's angry with us, he's disturbed by us. And so Jesus comes to say, Daddy, I like him, please don't kill him. Y'all can say amen or oh me, that you, that's what most of us was raised on, either didactically, uh, it was taught to us, or we, that's, that's the summation we got out of it. That God is angry with us, and then we're told stuff like God's angry, you know, he can't look at sin, and all that kind of stuff. And here comes the nice son, Jesus, to save us from his dad. When the Bible says the opposite. 1 Corinthians says that God was in Christ, reconciling the sin of the world, and, uh, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sin against them. How can God be angry if he's not even counting your sins, recording your sins, remembering your sins? What's he got to be angry about? Am I saying that sin don't matter? Go on this? No, no, I'm just saying Jesus has saved us. He saved us from Satan. He saved us from sin. And when I say that he saved us from sin, I don't mean it's wonderful. That's a great thing that God says, okay, I forgive you of your sin. But think about the meth addict, addicted, developed a, a physical, physiological addiction or trauma or hurt or wound to, to, this, to, this, to this drug. And, and, and so that person needs more to say, I forgive you for doing meth. I forgive you for doing meth, not because I've got a thou shalt not do meth 
in my Bible, but because it's hurting you and destroying you and it's hurting people that love you. But so I forgive you of that. That sin has been taken away at the cross. But is that enough for that person? Are you just to say, okay, you're forgiven, go enjoy your life? No, they, they still got problems. They still got that addiction maybe gripping them and, and wounding them or hurting them or they're living from the, 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 the effects of that. God said, I came to save you from that. And there, I want to tell you, there's going to be a purging. There's going to be uh, that fire that's going to consume that tank, those things. God didn't, he didn't come just to say, okay, I forgive you. He came to restore. He came to put everything back right. And he said, I come to save you from death. And Jesus entered into death and destroyed death's power and took away the fear of death. As believers, we're really not to fear death. Death, where is thy victory? Grave, where is your sting? Jesus removed it. He, he removed it. But I want to tell you, most Christians still fear death. Well, how many times I've been where people were, were dying or even, even on 20 years as a paramedic. Unfortunately, I've, seen people, I've been by their side when they left this planet, so to speak. And many of them, most of them, feared death. The death to them was something that was, was, was feared. But if you understand what Jesus did, it, it, you, you don't fear it. Jesus took the sting of death. He removed it. And so Jesus preached change. I mean, this, this, if we're going somewhere good, the, the process of change sometimes is not as pretty as you, you would like for it to be. Jesus, his whole preaching, his, John the Baptist run ahead of him and, and, and preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here comes Jesus, and the first thing that Jesus preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It's within grasp. I'm here. The change is here. And the word repent, you know this at Grace Point, but the word repent is metanoia. It's the Greek word metanoia, and it literally means to radically change your thinking. And, but you know what, the, what religion has done is change that word. And most of you and I grew up, and, and most Christians in Valdosta, most Christians in America, for that part, I believe when they hear the word repent, they think of uh, penance, doing penance. That's literally how they've changed it in, in, some, in, in some translations in Latin. Do penance. In other words, it's something you do. So because you're sinned and because God's angry with you and because he don't even like you, then you have to do something to get God to like you again. You have to repent. And you have to come to an altar. You have to cry. You have to tell God you're sorry. You have to confess all your sins, none of which is in the Scriptures. Repent just means, listen, everything's changed now. You've got to radically change your way of thinking. And, and, and that's exactly what Romans 12, verse 2 says. There's no such thing as a person changing until you change the way you think. You can't address a person's behavior. You can do it. You can address the behavior of your kids. You can address the behavior of coworkers. You can address the behavior of church parishioners. You can address the behavior of anybody, but their behavior will always revert right back to what it was unless they have a radical shift in how they think about that behavior. You'll never change a person's behavior by hollering at their behavior. Their, their behavior will only change when they change what they believe. Believe about what? Believe about God. Believe about themselves. Believe about you and others. See, listen, if you hate yourself, if you hate yourself, it's not going to be long before that hatred of yourself is going to be turned on somebody else. The meanest people in the world that you see that treat people, uh, you know, like we say in the South, we, they, they acting ugly or we, they treated you ugly or th those people that, that, that are, that, you know, got a short fuse, they're so, because they hate themselves. When you see that, you can just bank on that. You, you, that person that is that angry, that they hate themselves. And that hatred now is turning and aimed to other people. But see, when, when we change the church, change the world, change the word repentance, to uh, uh, repent from changing the way you think about everything, to do penance, then what it did is it triggered a, a, moral, uh, a moral attempt of, of trying to get people to change their behavior and trying to use the law and legalities and rules and don't do this and don't do that to try to get them to change their behavior, but it never worked. Knowing the rules never makes you keep them. In fact, the law was sent to help you to realize you can't do it. Can somebody say amen? And I will tell you, the inner process of change is the, it's an inner change. It's fundamental to everything. And, and we've got it typified even in nature and even in our own bodies. 
I was thinking, you know, uh, I was trying to figure them up. And uh, if I count on orals, you know, oral had gum surgery one time. But I've had eight uh, surgeries uh, in my life. Everything from open heart to appendix to gallbladder to, I mean, you know, none of it was fun. But I've had eight surgeries. And, 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 I, and I, what I learned in that is my healing came from the inside out. And it wasn't as fast as I wanted it to be. And it was slow, uh, and my recovery was slower than I would have liked, but I did recover. And my healing, and it was amazing to me how my body healed itself. And how my body heals itself from day, even now. No matter what happens, your body immediately goes to work to bring about healing and restoration. When you cut yourself or you hurt yourself or disease comes in and enters your blood system, then, you know, them white blood cells are surrounded and start attacking it. I mean, your body's trying to heal itself. God designed it that way. And, and, and so I had to just wait. Uh, and I just had to trust. And, and you know, and I, I'm not saying that I had no part in it. Because there was a part that I, that I participated in, in seeing myself uh, recover. And, I, and I'm not talking about just physical here. I'm trying to apply this to every, whatever you, what, you know, some of you want to change so bad. I, I've never met people that say, well, I don't, you know, they knew they need to change, but they, a lot of times they just don't know how to change. And if you're going to change because you're going to try harder, you, I'm going to tell you, your change will only last as long as you have strength and willpower. And as soon as your strength and your willpower is gone, then your change is over. And you're right back to where you were started from. And a lot of us have rode that ride, have we not? You know, you'll never, you know, you, you just, you won't change anything until you change the way you think about it. Right? And so, but religion don't like that. Religion prefers a more uh, magical uh, external approach. Uh, we want a one-time transaction and, instead of the, watching the, how the whole universe uh, uh, pattern of, uh, of growth and healing takes place. Do you understand that science now uh, has proven that, that our universe from the Big Bang, whatever you want to, but from when creation began, do you know that it has been emphatically proven that our universe is continually expanding? Now I want you to think about that. The God that created it. This universe we used to think it was the Milky Way and it was all us and no more. And then they invented a telescope that could go beyond this galaxy. And then they find another galaxy. And they go, well, there's a whole other galaxy with planets up there. And then, then they come out with the Hubble telescope. And as far as they can see, they see now millions of galaxies. And, and as soon as they build it, they, as far as they're able to discern, they see, they, they, they see an unfolding of the, the universe. When you walk out at night and you look up in the sky and you look at that beautiful star, just a star, not a planet, but a star, that, that light that was in that star left that star at the speed of light when Abraham was looking at it. And you saw it in Valdosta last night. Y'all thought, I'm serious. You, you Google that and see if that ain't true. I saw people the other day, it's been hot, really hot, right? I've had two preachers from Duke. They don't even come to this church. They know me. Uh, one in person, one by social media. And they said, it's, it's, you know, it's, Pastor, do you know? I had somebody in the mall the other day on, uh, with the, when I was with my grandkids. They stopped me. They said, hey, Pastor. And they said, do you know that it's, it, you know, these, these past few weeks or there, there was days, five days or something, this guy said, and, and I saw some of that in the news, that it was the hottest it's ever been on the planet since they've been recorded temperature. And y'all have heard that, right? And how many believe that? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's been hot. I know that. And, of course, this guy was trying to say, uh, he said, he said, Brother Dale, he said, the end is near. And he said, this is prophetic. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the brother's wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, but there is a change. Things are changing. Um, the th things are changing. And I had two guys, and both of them, you know, that are ministers, and, and of course, they, they kind of lean that way, and that's fine. And, 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 
but said, you know, it's, it, it's, you know God's uh, saying something to us through that. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I just simply don't know. Um, but, but I know this. When we think of how change comes sometimes, we, we don't like it how it happens because it's never fast enough. And, and, and we think that death and resurrection is just a doctrinal statement about Jesus instead of the pattern of, that brings change to the whole universe. Um, Jesus said, I mean, a, a grain of wheat abides alone unless it falls in the ground and dies. But if it dies, it brings forth life. And Jesus, of course, was saying that about in regard to his uh, resurrection. But see, we, we tend in the church, we, and I don't mean this negative, but let me just get this out. We, we tend to make an idol out of the status quo. And, and we've all done that. And the Bible's filled with people that's done that. And, and what I mean is we, whatever the status quo of that time is, of our season, then we try to make that, okay, that's church, or that's what it is. And then we start to protect that. And then we start to defend that. And what we do is we end up fighting the very thing that God is sending apostles and prophets and, and evangelists, pastors, and teachers to try to tear up. And yet then we call them heretics. And we say that's heresy. Because the reason most American church folk don't have any theological basis to even understand what the Bible even says. Because about 20 years ago, there was a radical shift in American Christianity. And it came out of these mega churches where these leaders, and I'm not saying if it's a mega church, they're, they're bad. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there was a radical shift from theological to therapeutic preaching. And we, 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 we move from being theologically accurate and proper and right, and we, we remove preaching what Paul preached, and we, we got away from that, and we started preaching uh, DIY Christianity, self-help. And sometimes the whole sermon comes, begins, and ends, and not one Bible verse was ever mentioned. It was just a motivational speech. It was a motivational talk, which does make you feel good. I get it. But there's no theology. There's no, and when I mean theology, theology is the understanding of God. The New Testament calls it doctrine. Paul told Timothy, this young preacher in 1 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 12, he said, Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. He said, For in, in doing this, you'll both save yourself and them that hear you. Pa Paul said, Doctrine's real important, Timothy. Don't neglect it. And, and Paul talked about it, and he always talked of doctrine. He said that it was delivered to me, I've delivered it to you. Hold fast to that. Don't let no one move you off that. But when you preach real true theology today, people say you're, 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 you're a heretic. When you read verses, it says that it don't matter what you think, they're going to be saved through the fire. You think the fire's coming to judge them, burn them, destroy them, but the fire's coming to take out the wood, hay, and the stubble. And they're going to be saved by that fire. And you're threatening them with it. God says, when, I, when God talks about fire, it's not a threat, it's a promise. <laughs> it's a blessing. But, but, but we don't have that background now. Most of the church thinks theology is just for preachers and Bible colleges and Bible schools. See, when you go, I mean, you, I mean, we tend to, we just make an idol out of that. And they did it in the Bible. Remember when Moses told them to make the brazen serpent? And when children of Israel were being bitten by serpents, and he said, make this brass serpent, put it on a pole, and tell the people to look at it. And when they look at it, they'll be saved, they'll be healed, and they'll recover. And did it work? Obviously it did. And, and, and it was a great thing, and it was a great methodology, and it was something God used in that moment. But then 500 years later, we got a preacher, prophet named Hezekiah. And he comes by commission from God to find the brass serpent and destroy it. What a job that is to be assigned by God to destroy something the church holds sacred, dear, and holy. And if you want to know, that's been pretty much my ministry. I've had three prophets that don't know each other over all of my 40-something years of preaching have called me out of conferences and places and said, I see a Hezekiah anointing upon you. God, has, he's called you in that. And I'm not really wild about it, to be honest with you. Because when you go and say, hey, your brass serpent that you've idolized and you're worshiping, 
And when I say that today, I'm not talking about a literally brass serpent, but I'm talking about the way you do church, the way you understand God, the way, I mean, when you start, when you start saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to call that into question. Oh, my God. Oh, don't touch this. God told us to do it like this. No, he didn't. You, you. See, I told people one time, it's not that we don't do what God says. We do what he says. We just do it too long. That's why you never could get Jesus to heal a blind person the same way. There's not two blind people that he healed identically in the, in the New Testament. He, 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 he did them all different. Because why? If he did them all the same, we, that's how we'd be doing it. But I don't see nobody spitting in nobody's eyes trying to get the highs to heal up. But if I called you down here and you got eye problems, I could spit in your eye and, and, and try to get you healed and say, I got Bible for that. That's how Jesus did. I'm just trying to follow the Lord. <laughs> you would get mad at me. Half the church would get mad at me. You wouldn't come back to church here. You'd get on Facebook and say, I can't, my God, I went to this church and this crazy preacher spit in my eyes. Now, if you was blind and I spit in your eye and you got healed, you wouldn't, you'd like that. But what I'm saying is, Jesus just did things differently because he knows how prone and we have a tendency, all of us as humans, to show us the formula. Give me the pattern. Give me the way. And God wants us to be connected to him, the person, in relationship with him. Uh, and, 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 and so going somewhere sometimes, going somewhere good sometimes means you have to go through the bad. And we, we don't like that. I don't like it. Uh, and, and, and then when you go through the bad, you, you find out that because you're going somewhere good, you're unable to hold yourselves above it, the bad, or apart from it. And, and Jesus said, I despise the cross. He, he despised that. But he, he, he went through the cross for the glory. So he was going somewhere good, but he had to go pass through the bad. I remember in my, in my ministry now, I've been doing this so long, I've been the answer to so many people's prayer that I didn't even know they was praying, and, and they got me in all kind of trouble with their prayers. I've had them in my church. I've had things happen. Anyway, I remember one time I got, I got called to, to uh, you know, by, uh, I, there was one guy I knew, and he was a deacon in this, and I'm going to say the kind of church it is, not because I think, I just want you to get the real story. I, I, I love everybody. I don't care what, what your name is, but it just happened to be a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church, whatever that means. I don't really know, because I'm not Southern Baptist. I'm not charismatic. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm not Lutheran. I'm not Catholic. I'm, I'm all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. And somebody talked to me yesterday. They want me to talk to somebody about some kind of doctrine, you know, and, and they're into this. I won't name the doctrine, but they're into this, and they want me to, to meet with them. I don't want to meet with them because the, the brother that's into that don't come to church here. He believes that way. I, I believe parts of that is good, but I just don't circle the wagons around one truth and make that the whole enchilada. I have a little beans and rice with it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's more to it. So, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in, I am Baptist. I believe in sticking them underwater and hold them under until they say tithe. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, but I believe in baptism. I believe, you know, but I'm Methodist. I believe in the way John Wesley used methodology to, to get the gospel to people. I'm, so I'm Methodist. I'm, I'm Catholic because the word Catholic just means the, the, the original, the, the, the called out of God. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm Lutheran. There's parts of the liturgical church that I, that I love. I'm, I'm Pentecostal because I love the way the Holy Spirit moves. and Pentecost, but I'm not 50 no more, so I can't run and say I'm Pentecostal. That's what the word means. But I'm charismatic. Because I love that, that expression and what that brought to the body of Christ. And I'm faith. Thank God for Brother Hagin. That will walk around and take his thumbs and say, glory to God, don't you see, glory to God. And preach faith. I, I appreciate Brother Hagin. But I'm not a Haganite. I didn't circle the wagons around the truth that that man brought. I love Brother Branham. I love Catherine Kuhlman, the healing. I'm all, I love all that. 
I wish I could flip a switch and, and all that. All, yeah, but, I, but why you got to be mean and circle the wagons and say this is it and I'm in and you're out and I'm right and you're wrong. And if you ain't part of our group or our church or our denomination or our belief system, then you're not, you know, it's just so wrong. Now that's the thing I'm trying to, to battle against. I mean, when you read, if you read Acts, that dude named Cornelius, was he would have been considered totally out by the church of that day. He's not out. They would say he's not saved. He's not one of us. We don't like him. We don't even want the Jews to go in no house because he's a Gentile. And yet, this Gentile, Cornelius, Acts 10, read it. He has a relationship with God that God recognizes. He prays to God. God receives his prayer. He gives alms to the poor. God's got rewards and build a memorial in heaven for him because of what he's doing on earth. He gets intelligent, prophetic, detailed prophecy, and he knows who to send for. He knows the address of where they're staying, and he knows what the name of the apostle he's asked to come, who, by the way, was Peter. And God tells him he, that he's at a house. The house is owned by Simon the Tanner. And so he's there and, and, I, and send people to go tell him to come. And when he comes, he's going to tell you what you need to hear. Now, this guy would have been considered not a Christian. He's out. And we're in. He's out. We're all in. You just don't know it. And so when Peter comes, he knows he's breaking the religious rules by going in, under that Gentile's roof. But he knows his God because God showed him the four-corner sheet three times. He had played a video three times. He said, stop calling people unclean that I've cleansed. Who did God cleanse? Every human on the planet. He forgave them at the cross when he took away the sin of the world. God said, I've cleaned them. Stop calling them unclean. Stop with your religious stuff and trying to say, I'm in and they're out and you like me and you don't like them and you're for me and you're not for them. Stop all that. God said, I've cleansed them goes by what I did, not what you do. They don't do something to get me to cleanse them. I already cleansed. I took away the sin of the world. This is after the cross, by the way. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus, not physically, no longer, you know, it's on the planet. And he sends this apostle there. And he walks in this home and he opens his mouth. And actually, Peter says, for what purpose have y'all sent for me? <laughs> Peter didn't even know. And that man told him the vision that he had. And while Peter was yet speaking, the Bible said the Holy Spirit fell upon them like it did at them in the book of Acts in chapter 2. And they began to pray and praise God and speak in tongues and glorify and magnify God. And Peter wasn't even through with his sermon yet. I remember this, this deacon at this Baptist church said, we want you to come. And uh, he said, I give them your, this is how old this is, is now. He gave them my uh, cassette preaching. Uh, from when I was pastoring at Cornerstone, he gave them the cassette. And, uh, and the, he said, all the deacons have listened to you preach on several messages, and they want you to come. And, and he said, uh, we want you to come and bring your praise team, and we want you to bring, uh, well, yeah, it was just a praise team, uh, not drama team. Did we do the drums? I can't remember. Uh, are you listening to me, Jill? You don't know what I'm asking? Don't just stare at me when I ask you something. Well, I don't want to name the church in front of all these people. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't matter. You don't, you don't. So here we go. So I go to this Baptist church. We're supposed to run Sunday night through Wednesday night. So I go, and, and I knew I was going into a Baptist church, so I didn't try to go in there and, you know, bring out the snakes or nothing. You know what? You know what I mean. We knew where we was going. We're there to help. I'm there to serve. I didn't know I was walking into a church where that church had just, uh, those deacons had just, uh, you know, got rid of the pastor. But he's ticked off, so he's still attending. He, I've never been more, treated more disrespectful and, and, and badly by a minister than I was by that guy. He looked at me like he hated my guts that I was even there. And he surely didn't approve because what they said as I was charismatic. And they brought a charismatic guy, my God, into a Southern Baptist church. And, and plus they had done fired his butt, so he was, wasn't happy about that either. So I go into this church, and my, my praise team comes. Uh, they didn't have drums set. We brought drums. Uh, uh, Justin was on the drums. My son was praise there. Well, you know, and we, we, we did the songs. And, and we, we, we did nice songs. We did songs that we thought Baptist people would like. You know, uh, and we sung our songs, and I preached. 
and, and we went Sunday night. And then Monday night, uh, I, I went back and uh, preached. Tuesday afternoon, I get a call from that deacon, and he was crying. Grown man. And he said, uh, Brother Dale, he said, I, I hate to tell you this, but the other deacons have called and said that, that, that they don't want the praise team no more. Um, and, and they want you to you know, finish the revival out because they love your preaching, but they don't want the praise team uh, to come. And uh, because they had some other Baptist church in the area found out we got charismatic guys in over here, and they called those deacons and said, and by the way, the deacons wasn't even attending the revival, okay? There you go. And so they, I'm, I'm serious, they wasn't even coming. Only the guy that invited me was the only deacon that even attended the meeting. And so he said, uh, uh, so I'm through with, I, you know, I'm upset, and I'm mad with these guys, and I don't, I won't blame you if you don't ever come back. Y'all just come back over to the church. Y'all pick up your drums and stuff. And he said, I, I'm, you know, I'm done with these people. And I said, uh, I said, well, let, hang on just a minute. Let, give me just a minute to think about what's going on. And I just put the phone away, and I said, Father, what do you want me to do? And I heard the Lord say, I want you to go. So I went. My praise team don't even know. I get there right before church starts. Now, we're, in a, we're, we're several counties away. I won't say the county, but we're several counties away from our home county. We're not in our community. We're not in our county. And I'm there to minister and preach the gospel and love people. And so uh, when my praise team come in, I said, y'all just have a seat. We're not, we're not doing praise. They're going to do the. And so one of them deacons that wasn't coming that led the choir, he come back and assembled the choir, and they broke out the, you know, the burgundy hymnals, and they sang you know, the choir songs that they were used to, which is cool. That's their deal. It's fine. It's y'all's show. It's y'all's church. That's fine. But it was dead at 3 o'clock in the morning. And so we, you know, we, uh, but they did that. And then they invited me up to preach. Now, I don't feel a whole lot like, you know, just, well, yeah, let's preach. Let's get our praise on. Because there's nasty going on. And I didn't ask for none of this. So my heart was, and, and, and I didn't do it mean, but I said, you know, the name of your church is New Hope something, something Baptist church. But I said, you need to go out and change your sign. Because you're false advertising. That's what I said to the congregation. I know it sounds like it's mean, but it, the Spirit of God was on it. It was really sweet. It really was. <laughs> Howard, it really was sweet. And I said, because you don't want nothing new. Or I said, at least your leadership don't. And I said, uh, so tonight will be not because I'm mad or hurt or wounded, but tonight's going to finish us up. I said, because the deacons, and I just said what it was. The deacons have said they've gotten calls from other, your fellow Baptist churches, and they don't like us being here because we're charismatic and whatever that means to them, apparently it's not good. And they told those deacons that if, we, if they didn't end this revival, that they wouldn't fellowship with y'all no more. And, uh, and I just talked to him out of my heart. I can't even remember what I said, but I'm, I promise you, really, God was all over it. And people are just weeping. And, and I'm talking about them, the congregation. Nobody, I didn't, nobody was mad at me, I could tell, other than them deacon, that one deacon that was there and, uh, and, the, and the mad pastor on the back, right, back row. And so when I got, and, I, and, I, and so I'm standing there and just kind of winding it up. And I talked for a little bit, and I wasn't mad. I really wasn't. I had no anger in my heart towards them. And I actually, as dumb as this sounds, uh, I thought this is pretty cool because I'm getting kicked out, kind of. And Jesus got kicked out, and I've never been kicked out of a place, so this is pretty cool for me because this is my first kick out. <laughs> this is the first time a religious system has said, we don't want you. And I thought, I really did, as stupid as that sounds, I thought, man, you know, this ain't so bad. Um, this ain't so bad. I, you know, this, this should happen every now and then. And, uh, and right when I got to the end, I felt the spirit of prophecy come on me. It's just hard to explain that. And I looked out on this back left side. I, I saw two women sitting on different pews that I felt a prophetic word of the Lord I was to say to them. And I thought, well, what the heck? I'm getting kicked out anyway. So I might as well go ahead and prophesy because that's what charismatics do, right? We prophesy. So I said, I, I just feel like I have a word of the Lord for, for this lady here. And we identified as well. She stood up. And I prophesied to her. And then they, and both of these were elderly ladies, I mean, almost say 70s, 80s. And then there was another lady, you know, some pews behind her, and I prophesied to her, and, and, uh, and, and, and maybe one more. And, and you could really sense God on this. 
And then, and then I, you know, I said, that's it. And then when I went to, you know, said, that's it. And I hadn't even turned like this. That, that woman that I first prophesied, she stood up. She said, Brother Young, I'd like to say something. I'm talking about, we, we all, I mean, this thing's done blowed up anyway. We, yeah, sure, go ahead. She said, Brother Young, she said, I've been a member of this church, and it was something, it was something like 1942 or something. I mean, it was a long time. She said, I've seen this church where it got down to, we didn't have no more than six people. And I was one of the six. She said, me and the other lady you just prophesied to back here, she said, now we know the way of the Spirit. She said, in fact, we've been to Benny Hinn meetings. <laughs> and she said, I've even fallen out. And uh, I thought, wow, I didn't know none of them was stuck in there in that Baptist church. Like, hey, kind of like, you know. And, and she said, me and this other lady been fasting and praying for six weeks that God would bring change to our church and bring, bring his presence like we've seen it. And she said, I believe you're an answer to that prayer tonight. And, um, and, then, and then another person stood up and another person. And these Baptist people just shared their heart of how much they loved God and they wanted to see God move in, in that little community. And so I, we, we just loved them and blessed them. And, we, you know, we, we called that quits and we went on, you know, home. Uh, a few days later, uh, that brother called me and said, them people got together because that's the bad thing. If you got a bad government, they can use it on you. And then people voted out every deacon that they had at that church. But that one guy that invited me, they kept him and all the rest of them. They purged the system. They, I'm not making any of this up. They called a new pastor. He was a spirit-filled Baptist pastor. That's what they said. So they got him in there. And he even said that in his prayer place, he spoke in tongues. And he's Baptist, and I didn't even know Baptists could speak in tongues. <laughs> I'm being silly. He invited me back, the new pastor. Six months later, yeah, he invites me back. He said, I want you to come back. I want you to bring your praise team and your drama team, and I want you to set back up, and we're going to run another revival in this church. And, he, and so we go back. And this time I said, guys, we're going back to this same church we got kicked out of six months ago. We, we, we're going to sing the songs that we want to sing because they're asking for it. And I said, so we got in there, and, we, and, and I remember standing behind, the, it was a front pew, and I was on the second pew, Wood Floor Church, Baptist Church, and me and my youth pastor, we was doing this. You know, it's called the charismatic bunny hop during a, a song. So we're doing that, getting our praise on, and the whole church is doing this. This place is rocking. I mean, this place is rocking. And, and we, we were praising God and doing that. And I remember, I'll never forget that. We was jumping, you know, he's jumping. And he looked at me, and he's standing there. He said, Pastor, is this the same church we got kicked out of six months ago? And I told him, I said, it's the same building, but it ain't the same church. <laughs> I, said, I said, God's done changed something in here. And, and I couldn't believe I was jumping up down, you know, with my charismatic praise in a Baptist church. And it was all legal and enjoyed. And then the pastor had a, a dairy farmer that had this big concrete barn and covered shed. And he said, I want to have a community-wide revival and we're going to invite churches from everywhere and we're going to do it all day Saturday. We're going to have preaching and singing and we're going to have dinner on the grounds and, and we're going to reach out to this community. And guess who they asked to come preach? And they asked to bring the praise team back. And so we're there out in a, in a, in a, in a dairy farmer's big barn, big beautiful uh, shelter. He moved all his tractors and his equipment out and they had it cleaned up and had chairs set up. And we had a time. And I saw God change a place. Now, I don't know what the people are doing today. And, and it was uncomfortable for me. And I came back to my home community. And I remember I had some people. I had one couple. Anyway, the, the husband didn't come to church. His wife did. The husband heard about it. It made news all over Cook County. That, yeah, that cornerstone, they got kicked out. And I told y'all they was a cult. And I told you, you know. And so he give his wife, you know what? He didn't want her involved with that because that proves, he said, that they're wrong and he's stupid because they kicked him out of a Baptist church. Well, it didn't prove that. It just proved I changed came. Now, it wasn't my fault. It was them two old women's fault that had been fasting and praying. <laughs> <laughs> it was their fault. They caused all of it. And God just sent me in, you know, to deliver the mail. <laughs> and it wasn't good. 
But sometimes you're going somewhere good, but you have to do the go with the bad. And, and God didn't save me from the bad. And it didn't feel good. But, but we went through it, and I've seen change. And I could tell you story after story where change has come like that. And I want to tell you, I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I want to end with this little thing. It's in Ezekiel chapter 46, and we was all over it today, man. But it says, God says, when y'all gather together for my feast, for my appointed times, for my kairoses, for my appointed times, when y'all come together, he said, you tell the people this. If you came in the north gate, tell them to go out the south gate. And if they entered into the temple from the east gate, tell them to exit it from the west gate. And, 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 and he says, for the people will not leave here like they came. He said, I want them to go, not, not just a different. You know, you hear the church say, you know, we want you to leave here different. God said in those passages through Ezekiel, I want you to leave here through the opposite gate. And so if you came in here depressed, the opposite of that is encouraged. If you came in here sick, the opposite of that is healed. If you came in here feeling lost and alone, the opposite of that is saved and found. If, you know, and so if you came in here and your life is filled with darkness, then the opposite of that is it, you, you've been called to leave in His marvelous light. And, and that's what God wants. And that's what I want. And that's what the Spirit wants. And for every one of you that come in here. Now I'm on overtime because we went on some overtime. You okay? Two more things. I, we, you know, and I, but you, you uh, just stand with me. All right, let's do this. Everybody stand. You know what we did? How many was here last Sunday when I asked all y'all to come down front? Y'all remember the way down here? Could you come do it again? Let's everybody stand here, and then I'm going to turn you loose. I want to say two things to you. Wasn't that fun last Sunday? And then Sammy come up here and preached to us. Didn't he? He did good. Man, I love you guys. I hope you can tell it. Man, as long as I can keep feeling like I feel and I feel that love. Last night, you know, sometimes, and I don't know, can I just put on my lab jacket and try something here? And I always get, I'm just honest, I get so nervous doing, going for it. <laughs> Crawford used to always, you know, be on me all the time about it. Uh, encourage me, I mean, in a good way. And, uh, but, but, but I felt like there'd be a lady here today. I don't know if you're here. And you, you've been really experiencing pain in your, in your knees. And one of the knees is worse than the other. And even to the point that you feel it kind of like uh, cracking or crackling uh, when you go up steps like this. Are you here? And can I pray for you? Who is that? This, okay, come on up here, daughter. There may be more than one. Okay, come stand here. Oh, you. And you, it's the <clears throat> the right one's worse than the the left one's worse. And I knew I saw in my dream I saw it, and I actually anyway, um, I believe the Lord wants to heal everybody. He wants to heal everybody. Uh, I had no idea there'd be three of y'all, four of y'all. We got everybody here? Is it four? Yeah. And it ain't like God's like, oh, you know, I want to heal you and I don't want to. Mm -mm. And God just loves his kids, man. And he loves his daughters. And he don't like to see you hurting and being in, in, in pain. And um, which, which knee for you? The right one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You who I saw. I don't mean you're not, but I saw you. I recognize you. Uh, my, my wife, uh, come here, darling, because I, I, I just don't touch ladies' <laughs> knees. But can my wife touch your knee? Would that be okay? And then I'm going to put my hand on my wife's hand. Would that be okay? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that this body, this knee be healed right now in the name of Jesus we declare that she shall recover 
Lord God, I just speak to this cartridge, to these knees, to these joints, to these ligaments, to these tendons, whatever is wrong, Papa, make it right now for your precious daughter in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. For each of these precious daughters, touch these knees, heal, and let healing flow into their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. We lay hands on them, and you promise recovery for them in the name of Jesus. We lay hands upon them, and we speak to these joints and these knees in particular to be made whole, to be restored, to be restored now, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Right here too, in Jesus' name. Healing in this body, these knees, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I believe yours crackled and all. And you could feel it in you when you walked and you come up steps. Is that true? You don't have to agree with me if I say something ain't right. Is that true? And your right one was worse than the left one. But it hurts in both of them. And so when you go up steps like this, you could really feel it, can't you? That it hurts. I, it don't matter to me whether you felt heat, didn't feel heat, you know, but we just believe in God of uh, what he's done. Huh? You felt heat, didn't you? Um, could, 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 you know, and I, you, you, ain't, you ain't no sideshow or nothing for me, but you, you want to let us try out the new knee? Can we, you want to go up these steps with me? Hmm? I just, just take, just go step on one step. I just want to make sure we're not crackling no more. Huh? All right. That's good. Well, you ain't got to go all of them. You ain't got to go all of them. Do you, what about that crackling? You ain't got none? I don't feel it. <laughs> I, I, I just, uh, I love my Saturday nights when I go to sleep because I get, sometimes, sometimes, I, if I saw you last night in my dream, I saw a lady, I, I know it was you. Uh, the second thing that I saw, and I think like God says, God knows that that boy needs so much help. I have talked to him on Saturday night and say, here, how about delivering this for me? This, this is going to be way on a different end. But you're here, I don't know if you're young or old, but you feel called to the nation's. And for, for God, you feel like, and you can say missionary, whatever your title that you want to attribute, but you feel called to it, and yet you're a little bit concerned about it. You're not sure if it's like, come on, you're not sure if it's the Lord. <laughs> but it is the Lord. Oh, yes, it is the Lord that's been speaking that to you. And you will go to the nations, and you will have a voice in the nations. How will I go, Papa? How will I pay for this? Who will... All of that is already, the account has already got the money in it. The system's all, God's already got it, darling. Just, just walk, just keep walking, okay? And you will go to the nations for Papa in the name of Jesus. I declare, Lord God, and I recognize this missionary call upon her life in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you. We eradicate fear from her heart. Uh, and, and the worry and anxiety and trying to figure it out. Lord, you've got it all figured out for her. Let her go to the nations, Father. Let her do the things that's in her heart to do, signs, wonders, and miracles. Lord God, let these hands lay hands upon people that need to hear and see. In Jesus' name. Darling, you go and do it. And remember this day that the Lord just says, that's been me the whole time, even since you've been a little girl. Oh, yeah. All those dreams are not of your own making there of him god bless you bless you darling i love you amen all right <laughs> um, i love y'all thank y'all for allowing me to go over time a little bit and so that we didn't miss these appointments here for these precious uh, people and you are precious to just do this with us and I love you whatever you're dealing with know that God loves you change is coming when you change the way you think about God yourself and others and you walk out that change what Romans 12 and 2 says be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God that's in Christ Jesus. And what that word prove means, like an artist, uh, art appraiser is, looks at a, a Rembrandt, and he authenticates it. He looks at it, and he says, this is not a fake. This is not a forgery. This is authentic. And he proves that this is real. God says, you are my representative. And how you live your life and you walk in that transformation that I bring about in you, it authenticates that you're my kid, you're my child, and you're not a fake, and you're not a fraud, and you're not a hypocrite. You're a child of God. And that change in the way you see yourself, and you're not a sinner, you're a saint. And you're not unrighteous. You've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus as a gift. And when you believe all that, then you change how you see God, yourself, and others. And then that brings true, lasting transformation that you don't have to hold up with willpower. It's God's power. Amen. And you don't waste time on temporal things and religious things, but you, you see eternal things. The gold, the silver, the pure things, which is you. Amen. God bless you. Go enjoy your Sunday. We love you.